0: Next on the Well of Sound, Cheap Trick.
1: Bill, take your feet off the table and help me straighten up. Nancy will be home any minute and she's bringing some friends with her. For
0: her friends, I don't have to clean up
1: hi mom hi dad these are the guys i told you about mom dad meet cheap trick hello yeah robin is the lead singer isn't he adorable and tom peterson plays the bass guitar and creates auras and rick was a cartoon character before he joined the group Uh and this is Venezuela. he was named after a country in south america i think they played in bars and bowling alleys and even warehouses and now they've got an album out why don't you play one of the songs from your album for my parents guys
0: beginning they knew how uh to brand themselves essentially right they are a rock and roll package right out of the gate right out of the gate and they put put um xander and peterson uh lead singer and bassist on the front because they're the the pretty boys with the long hair and on the back you've got these two You have Mr. Bean in in a ball cap, and you have uh, uh, an old west uh, like bank teller,
2: (laughs) a tired accountant. (laughs) I mean, and like on in color. I mean, the two guys are on motorcycles motorcycles on the front, and on the back they're on bicycles, almost like tricycles. And it's the humor is there. Yeah, the there's some genuine you know sex appeal, whatever you want to say, like. there's libido going right. on, but right. then there's also this like piss-taking attitude. Right. That I don't know. It's it midwestern. Is it like Arch? Is it is it every? Is it Kiss? Is it uh, you know Journey? What's going on here? What's it? They form in Rockford, 1974. I yep.
0: think. and they're in. Um, Bunny Carlos and uh, uh, Rick Nielsen are in. You know, ri- rival bands. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that like. That then uh, Peterson joins up with Nielsen. They go on a tour. Mm-hmm. What I know is that I got the vinyl of the first record the other day, okay. and it comes with this long history of the band that's completely made up. Oh like, wow! It talks about Bun- Bunny Carlos being from Venezuela. I think his real name yeah, is right. like Brad Carlson or something <laughs> like that. Go ahead, well, it's, it's all unmasked and they talk about how they all met as expatriates in like the south of France or something like that. Oh my god. And I was like, Wait, is this, this is this for real? Because it, it's combined with little bits of their actual um story. Right. And um, I was like, "Are they really all expatriates playing sort of arena rock in the south of France in like the late '70s?" And of course, that's not really true. There, there was a there was a tour of Europe in '73 that Peterson and uh, Nielsen are on for some reason. But they come back, and that's when the band really starts. So there's a book about Cheap Trick. Okay, and it is really hard to buy like it, it it's one of these books there's a book about Badfinger 2 out there that is was a limited print run and everyone on the internet swears it's an, this incredible book it's sort of a tell all but they but they they ran it by Bunny Carlos the drummer in mm-hmm. order to uh, and he took certain things out and allowed certain things to be in and apparently it's an amazing book but you can only get it for $400 now and there's like a, there seems was like reasonable a, briefly in 2015 I think they printed a thousand more copies they instantly sold out and so i I'm I'm surprised no one's digitized it, but no one has. So there's a lot of mystery here.
0: And another thing that just blows my mind is, is if we dive into these albums now, the first three albums they recorded in 15 months.
2: Yeah, I believe it. Cause I, that is a, that's amazing. You're right. And, um, but B, it sounds like they were they were hardcore touring from 1975 and 1976. Okay, and they even recorded that a demo at Arden Studios in Memphis in 1975. It's got Taxman, Mr. Thief on it. Mm-hmm. It's got that incredible song Fan Club on it. It's got I think it's got Southern Girls actually. So they had they'd been writing songs throughout, right? They've and then, so they had these... this big cache of a cache of, of songs that they're ready to go, right? When they finally hit. And that's one of the reasons why you know it's like I have to you compare it a little bit to the band uh, you know music from Big Pink these guys those guys have been playing together for eight years they come out with this extremely fully formed identity in all of these songs the Cheap Trick was was to a a much lesser extent and certainly a more um, raucous extent they had been playing together for a while they kind of knew who they were and that comes across in the a sonic like attack and like and just. Total charm. I don't know. First record. What do you think? What's your, where, where Well, you let's, going? let's, die. I mean, Should I, play I something? yeah,
0: let's play Taxman, Mr. Thief. I feel like that's a, that's a hell of a song. is capturing a spirit and an angst and an anger and so much of what it's like to be um, a teenager and young and just figuring out all the the tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's that this first album is is covers some is, what suicide perverts, uh, you know. Um, what else? Just the just... Beatles.
2: I mean, loving rock and roll, sex, um, and sort of. There's some tenderness there. TV yeah. is on there. Violence. It's. Uh, the, the, I've been trying to figure out what it is that I love so much about that first record because, mm-hmm. as I love all of Cheap Trick at this point, yeah. the, the amount of joy I've had getting ready for this episode has been like, it's been such a gift to me. But the, um, the, the the first record cements this sound for me especially. Jack Douglas is the producer and from the get-go there's this crunch to it mm-hmm. um, um, that Rick Nielsen is is in the early days of using that much distortion but also with enormous amount of melody uh, sort of picked through mm-hmm. and then um, but there's a crunch to it for some reason and the swing to the drums the whole sound and then you have this singer who... I mean, for a while it took. They call him the man of a thousand voices, right? Mm-hmm. It took me a while to catch on. Or the the first Cheap Chick record, I liked some of the hooks immediately, but the overall vibe of it, the atmosphere it creates, it kind of sinks into you, and you keep wanting to go back there. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And even, so do they, by the you, way. Yes. I feel like
0: that's the push pull of most of their career: is they they go from. That first album, Mm -hmm. which has this dark, grinding feel to it, to the next album in color, um, and we don't have to move on to that quite yet, but um, that next album has sort of a clean, softer side to some of the songs. And that's sort of what they're like, they go hard in one direction for a little bit, and then they pull back and try to get to that L.O. Kitty's uh, uh, crunch um, across their career
2: overdriven yeah. amps screaming yeah with um then with like a, a bridge that's really beautiful
0: yeah and robin's voice there's there's i feel like rick brings these um sort of uh, uh sort of sneering yet sweet 60s boy band vocals that he's almost mocking and but robin always brings this like haunting almost like monster movie effect Mm -hmm. to his vocals. Very theatrical. They're meant to be menacing and and like Dracula.
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And uh, I think one of the things when I was reading like what about the kind of genius of Robin Xander, Rick Nielsen himself had said the great thing about him is he can play both the villain and the hero. Yeah. And oftentimes within the same song. That's it. Like for me, one of the things that, uh, uh, that, that captures the insane versatility of this guy is um, their cover of the move song, California man that's on heaven tonight. And he breaks into an Elvis impression in the Uh middle of the song. And I just love it. Mm -hmm. And it, and it works, but it's silly. He's kind of poking fun at Elvis, but he's also, but he's poking fun at Roy Wood, who is poking fun at Elvis, but, but also loving Elvis. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of it, like it's this also, there's almost like a, black sabbath type thing going on it's it's a lot of different it's so dense that's the thing it's like how do you
0: i've been so excited to talk about cheap trick but yet so intimidated because there is so much there's so much in one song there's so much in a whole career there's so much in an album there's so much in the band they're just dense with like fantastic content
2: and they, you know? they have kept going they haven't slowed i mean it's, or at least there's been ups and downs and that's one of the reasons why it's so fun to get into a band with this much material this it's it's not guided by voices level of amount of uh, you know prolificness but it's there's there's a lot of periods you can get into with them yeah um and yet, still, there's this shining city on a hill that is the first album. That's true. <laughs> it kind of it's like I don't know. It's it's like absolute zero or it's true north or something like that. That record, and even the song selection of it. Although I, there's not a song I dislike. It's not. Really, the their best songs of that period. Like a lot of the best no. songs come out later, but that the whole aesthetic, every all factors are are working. Are all engines are firing?
0: Yeah. So some of those one. I, so if I go back to my, you know, when Cheap Trick happened for me in a big way. A lot of those songs are on in color which is the second album mm-hmm. downed is this doozy downed is amazing i mean maybe we should play that one downed
2: Gateway into Treat Chick. What what
0: what brought you there? Um uh somebody I knew uh you know, I all I knew I I owned Live at budokan I knew Surrender, um, and whatever whatever else was on the radio. I think it was Surrender mainly, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's all I knew. Um and I didn't know it very well. And somebody was basically like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The well goes deep with these guys. You need to listen to the first three albums. Um, and I did, and I had written a play at the time about um, three best friends that basically don't know what to do with themselves and just hang out and play video games and are filled with angst. And this, I made the soundtrack to the the show. This was, I just blasted um L.O. Kitties, downed all these songs, you know, as people came in uh, to see the show for the first time. And it just, it, w- it was so fitting.
2: I think um for me, it was having read about them enough, because I was into what is, you know, power pop, what people always talk about is power pop, getting really into Big Star, and a band sort of like that, all these little offshoot bands, Mm -hmm. and everyone always... People... It's it's a really curious thing about Cheap Trick is that they get categorized in all sorts of different ways, and none of them really fit. They they make no. Cheap Trick music, like when people say they're so they sound so Beatle-ish, I, I mean, I can hear the influence, but sure. I don't think they sound a thing like the Beatles. I mean, I think they've got no, some. You see it, references. you hear it at
0: moments, right? They have references later on. They do a full live version of of Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, yeah, you know, the love is there, but. Hey, that's as that's as far as it but goes. But it,
2: it it has got. I mean, the Beatles maybe only played the guitars that loud for the that fast version of Revolution. That's about right. as the what I hear is like a, the, the kind of the perfect for me combination of like power pop with arena rock. Mm-hmm. With or or even early heavy metal,
0: and with a punk sensibility, with
2: a punk sense, like a punk sense of humor, yes. or like because a lot of a lot of a lot of punks don't have a great sense of humor, but <laughs> these guys have an incredible sense of humor, right? And like uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost you watch these early videos, it's like performance art. It, it's right. It's so wacky, but it's also it it rocks so hard. You kind of can't believe you're getting both things at once.
0: And what you know, Bunny Carlos. Um, the drums on uh, Big uh, Eyes—they're such a presence throughout. They're like
2: drum riffs, almost That open some of these songs. In color.
0: Um, oh God! I, I, Southern Girls is is.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: talk a little bit about why there is a uh, a, a 93 yeah. 1993 <laughs> version it's
2: 93 of or 97 I don't every the internet doesn't uh, date it that uh, you know consistently so the um, apparently the band records in color they feel uh, Tom Werman is their producer and uh, they're clearly going for something more polished than what they did because because cheap trick that record they release Oh Candy it doesn't do that well mm-hmm. it's got a cult following I think the from, single from is that the, you no said? the whole the Oh Candy doesn't do very uh, that stiffs but the, ba- the album itself doesn't do that right. well so they record in color they try to play up their poppy side they they, the, the guitars are definitely none of the distortion, very little of the distortion makes right. it onto the record. I still think it sounds great for what it is. However, the band... The original band, recording. The original recording. Yeah. The band, it's over the thin. years, starts to express serious displeasure with how it was recorded. Apparently, they went on tour, and Wehrman finished it up. Then you find online, you find... like um, So they, they, what happens is eventually... I'll, I'll backtrack to that. They, the, the band is so uh, unhappy with how it sounds over the years Mm -hmm. that they, one day they record a single with Steve Albini, the, um, uh, the Nirvana producer, Chicago, hardcore guy who's in, um, shellac or big black or whatever those bands were Mm -hmm. a really, um, caustic sounding producer. He called, he didn't even call himself a producer, but like an engineer or he records bands. And so they're, they're doing a single for baby talk with him. And, uh, he convinces them or they convince him to they re-record all of In Color as, as as one. It's all for the original guys and they lay down the tracks. It's never been officially released which some people think that the version that's out there is not actually what they were planning to release or oh, if they were going to... There's okay. a few more overdubs they were going to do. They were maybe going to tame it a little bit mm-hmm. but they record all of In Color in 93 or 97. I'm not quite sure what it is but it's on the internet and it's kind of amazing. It's, mm-hmm. it's all... Pianos, keyboards, all that's taken out. Yeah. It's just overdriven guitars, the Tom Peterson sort of loud 12-string bass, mm-hmm. the huge drums, and Robin doing all of his voices. It doesn't have some of the, you know, I don't know, the Farrah Fawcett vibes of uh, the first one. Yeah,
0: and... and the I mean, original you, version. You can hear... Uh, so, right, if you sort of compare the uh, studio version of, of in, from the 70s to uh, the Budokan recordings, you get a sort of a greater sense of what the... The potential of those songs are, and then there's this, yeah, this it, the, 90s version.
2: And the the place where I found the 90s version has like a like a it's like an old school blog, and Tom Worman himself is the first person to post what because it's like it's become mythology that they hated that record, right. and so they re-record it, and he's like he's like this is ridiculous, this is total bullshit. That nothing would have been released without the band say so. They may not like it anymore, but no. Right. Right. This narrative that it was taken away from them and softened and yeah, yeah. Uh, blunted in some way is just bollocks, I guess. Yeah, and Who I get knows? that
0: they they they, in reaction to their first album, they could have said, okay, let's try something different, and then so the third album uh, has I, I, kind of mashes up a little bit of both. Yeah. you know, it gets closer to the first album, but it still has sort of the sweetness of, of the second album. With and it's a lot of it's an
2: unbelievable songs. record.
0: I mean, it is. What, it, what's your what's one of your favorites?
2: On well, my, my original favorite Cheap Trick song. And I'm not going to include it in my top five just because it's such a towering song. It's kind of, it might be their only song outside of "I Want You to Want Me" that's kind of passes into like more public canon or public domain and that Mm -hmm. it doesn't even belong to the band anymore. But Surrender, I think, is got... It's got these funny lyrics about getting his Kiss records out. Mm -hmm. You know, his parents, like, someone's taking some drugs. Um, There's... uh, It's got these keyboards on it, yet Mm -hmm. it completely rocks. It's got this one... Another one of their, like, great descending melodies. Surrender kills me. But I... California Man has always been... It's that's what got me into the move, and I love the move. Right, but it's because of their version of California Man, which I think it tops the move's version. Mm-hmm. I know people don't want to hear that, but like they, they incorporate the Brontosaurus riff into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love. I Alphaveterzane is one of my all time favorites. Yeah, uh, again, Suicide.
0: You I mean, in the first three records, <laughs> Suicide is a recurrent theme, um, and this is probably the uh, the most epic.
2: Song about suicide. That's basically like, if you can't take it, we'll see you later. Like, get, get, go for it, man. You know, like it, there are many here among us who feel that life is a joke. But then he's like, say you later, Senorita. Oh, Buenos noches. Bye bye." And it's like they're kind of laughing at someone. They're basically encouraging someone. Yeah, to no, 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 for sure. Themselves, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And in, we're using every uh, every single you know
0: possible phrase,
2: phrase to internationally
0: to do so. <laughs>
2: And every and it ends with that chanting chorus. I mean,
0: yeah. Every everything that is cheap trick is in that song. And what I realized I hadn't thought about it until listening to it just now. But um, they've got you know they they say that they were really into bands like Sweet and Slade at mm-hmm. the time. Um, which is where the name evidently comes from. Have yeah, you heard this? I heard this. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. from a Slade concert. Yeah, they saw Slade and Tom Peterson said uh, they pull out every cheap trick. They used every cheap trick in the book. I mean, it is. A- and that's what they named themselves after. They were like, let's be all the cheap tricks. And yet they're so authentic and they're so real. And, and it's such a good
2: name for a band. It's, it's such like, a It's such a good name for them as a band, too. I- but I love one of the things I love so much about this band. Like I'm I'm moved to want to wear their, their sure. apparel yes. because I like the I like the logo, but I like the Everything name. they stand for. <laughs> Everything they're about. Ah! I'd always been a first three albums kind of – I wouldn't call say purist because I, I had no feeling beyond that. I the, the party line about Cheap Trick is that the first three albums are what you need plus the song Dream Police. Right. Nah. Woe is me. I had no idea what I was talking about because, A, Budokan, which is really what broke them. Right. And what I've, what I've learned in reading about them is that they go over to, to – um, I think it's before – it's right after Heaven Tonight comes out yeah. or even before. And they go over to play a couple of concerts and it's recorded and they're, they've done so well. Clock Strikes Tennis but become this huge hit in Japan mm-hmm. that um, they decide to release the record just for the Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, people in America start hearing it through import copies and it becomes the largest selling import. And finally, they're just like, okay, in order to beat the bootleggers, they release the thing. And they choose all, all the popular material, yet still, it's like the version of I Want You to Want Me that goes that goes uh, I guess viral you'd say that becomes a huge hit right. is not the version on in color which is a softer version which has sure. the piano rather than uh, these incredible you know riffs right songs like big eyes
0: I I, I always want to hear the Budokan version because you get the all the muscle behind it is mm. there versus the um, you know the original studio recording
2: muscle is is like the right word I think like um and then. You know, one thing we haven't said yet, and we'll get on to the other records, but A, by the way, if you can get the complete Budokan, yeah, which yeah. is on a Spotify, it's it's easy to find. The whole concert is just balls to the wall, amazing rock and roll the whole time. And I love And the love audience
0: it. is going crazy. The
2: audience is, 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 is there. They're there for it all. I mean, they like, and how they got that into these records. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But th- their version of Ain't That a Shame, that they play as an encore, is, I mean, that to me... Uh, let's cue it up, because that to me... Uh, Encapsulates something very the Budokan special, version. the Buddha conversion. Cause you know, they have their, so they include a cover on their very first record that speak now or forever. Hold your peace. The Terry Reed cover, which Terry Reed is the guy who, you know, was going to be the singer in Led Zeppelin and decided not, he couldn't do it, but he, right. he recommended both Robert Plant and John Bonham to Jimmy Page. Um, you know, <laughs> poor guy, I guess that, um, <laughs> but are you pulling it up? Oh yeah, I'm working on it. Sorry. So, uh, They have this... And that's one of my favorite songs on the first record, is Speak Now, Forever Hold Your Peace. And the live version is badass. And then they have California Man on Heaven Tonight, which is another amazing cover. And uh, they're like... They have a... Before this, they were doing a version of Please Miss Henry by Dylan that is like a 10-minute heavy metal anthem version of it, which includes a bunch of kinks, uh, riffs in it. But then they take out this Fats Domino, Ain't That a Shame, and to my mind, they just... Blow the roof off with it, yeah! Because it's such a joyous melody, and so they make these covers Yet it's co- menacing. Completely here. their own, it, yeah. Play, play the song. Here we go. turn my notes up because i think we've talked about this before but i'm when i'm trying to get into a band I, we talked about it in terms of little feet but mm-hmm. i'm not it, it you know live albums are not my usual i usually play them once or twice but i'm really interested in the studio recordings True. Sure. Uh Budokan, i continue to come back to it's a little like live at leeds or something like that for me i mean it's it's got this uh, energy that is so infectious, and all of the songs because you're right, all the In Color songs are beefed up, even though it's just the four of them playing. So from there, um, <laughs> then it gets interesting.
0: Yeah, it does get interesting. They're they're on top of the world, <laughs> and they can't get any higher. Um, that that's they're huge after that, um, and their fourth album, well, their fourth studio album. Is something called Dream Police, which I mean, in in the scheme of crazy rock and roll covers, this this is up there, man. <laughs>
2: the cover. <laughs> they yeah. are
0: dressed like Dream Police. They're <laughs> dressed
2: like Dream Police, and that's um, like, I mean,
0: and which is you know continuing the theme of of madness. Yeah! So for me, this is the album. Yeah. I can listen to every single song on this album over and Need over again. Your love. Uh, way of the World. Um, I'll talk about gonna raise the hell a little bit later, okay? Because yeah. that this preview that's on my top five.
2: Yeah, way of the Way of the World is a fantastic song. Voices. I mean, you're right. There's there's very little chaff in any of this stuff. Need your I, love. I, Need Your Love, because Need Your Love, they debuted at Budokan. Yeah. And it's sort of a long, kind of epic song. Yeah. And... That, that makes it onto Dream Police. But Dream Police itself, see, I, I've i heard plenty of versions of it. You know, there's a version without the keyboards. I happen to really like the keyboards on it, or the strings, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I it's do kind too. of an expert Voice use is, of that. Is,
0: is, is, and then gonna Raise Hell gets their strings in there, too. I mean, it doesn't hold back. It's, I got to
2: go, go back into that. So, Dream Police, I think that's also Wehr- Wehrman, uh producing still. Yeah, so, so he's still they weren't the band. that
0: upset with him. No, I mean, and doesn't he do uh, Heaven Tonight also? I mean, not... Yeah yeah, 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 he
2: did heaven tonight as well. Yeah, yeah, and so then they go into they're they're a little adrift at that point. I mean, they're kind of well, well they're on, they're on top of the world. Yeah, but it's like, where do we go from here, right?
0: So they work with the producer they've always dreamed of working with, right? Is is that fair is, to
2: say? Is that, that Roy George Thomas Martin? Baker? Oh, oh, sorry, of for all oh, shook up. I'm. Uh, I just forgive me for that. They they go with all they shook up. They have their up. dream moment. Yes, and I think, so All Shook Up, I've, I've really, I really wanted to like All Shook Up more than I actually do. I like, there's moments of it, there's no cheap trick recordings I really don't, that I dislike, mm-hmm. but... I you know stop this game is a great song. Um, uh, I I I do like I love you baby, but I hate your friends. But it's still um, this compared to the songwriting of the record before, mm-hmm. it feels a little like they're running out of ideas. That's a lot of output in like three short years. Um, and they're trying new s- sounds. The sound that, and the sound of it is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he like uh, George Martin in any way domesticated them. No and i think it's a and apparently we just tried them they got
0: to try something different. You know
2: they always George Martin apparently at the end of his life was quoted as saying his, his like favorite band to work with outside of the Beatles was Cheap Trick. I believe it. That's they, like they he's like the nicest group of gents <laughs> chaps chaps <laughs> with that posh accent.
0: Um so, yeah, they've got some some decent songs on there. I, I Stop This Game is is what opens it. Um, I think it's downhill from there a little bit. Um,
2: they made a mistake in not putting Everything Works If You Let It. Yeah. They, they should have put that. I mean, that came out on that EP around that same time. Right. Which, again, when you look at what they were going to put on that EP, and they decided not to, they were going to put Fan Club on there. They were going to put... Um, uh, you, you're all talk, I think. They, uh-huh. they, they, the, the found all the parts EP again. To, to my mind, is the them struggling a little bit. Right, it's right. got the can't hold on version from yeah. Budokan, which is a great song, but it. They're, and they're working again with Jack Douglas, who produced the first record. But yeah, it's and they're transitioning. There. This
0: is a new period. It's like mm-hmm. they they the rock and roll dream has happened, and you, as you said, it's it's sort of now what. Um, and Tom, the bass player, leaves the band.
2: Yes. And what is he? What we, we've talked about? What I you haven't been on able to, to find it?
0: find the album. Uh, and now i forget the name of the album but he makes sort of perf- more of a performance art uh, type album with his model wife uh dagmar, like dagmar right? yeah <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about it sounds really interesting and i would love to hear it um, but i haven't heard it
2: um, yeah, and so they go from there. They're kind of touring, but they're clearly that's that's um, he leaves during the recording of All Shook Up, I think, or right after it. Yeah, and so then they get this other guy. And around there, are,
0: do they uh, just Tom and. But or Rick and Bunny work with uh, Yoko and Lennon. Yeah, they 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 do well. They do.
2: I know they record a couple songs. They they with Jack Douglas. With Jack Douglas, they record especially the backing track to "I'm Losing You," which then gets um, because Doug or Yoko doesn't want to pay the higher rates or something like that. This is how the story goes. Okay. And so they, they erase the tape and the studio musicians do it over. But the original version of I'm Losing You with Nielsen is out there. And when they go back and record uh, the Albini version of In Color, they also do a cover of I'm Losing You. That's right. And so you wonder what that was like for them being with Lennon at that time
0: so next is one-on-one next which is... i so okay so I, I knew these first four albums in budokan um really well going into us talking about doing an episode and i knew nothing about all shook up um through the 80s and and up to woke up with a monster which is such a ridiculous <laughs> album the best title. cover of all time um but one-on-one and the next album next position please Across the past few weeks, I have fallen in love with. I mean, they're, I, I
2: they're, love these albums. They're 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 solid. In fact, in in certain places, I'd say like inspired. Yes. So one on one, they're working with Roy Thomas Baker, who worked with Queen, and I'm pretty sure Cheap Trick toured with Queen at some point. I'm sure. Um, I mean, it's got that massive sing along. If you want my love, yep, which is a staple now. <laughs> And the cover they that because they're, they're Tom Peterson's gone, they like basically cover up the new bassist's face with this thing. It's it's kind of a funny look and Rick cover.
0: Nielsen is the guitar, or no, oh, sorry, that's an exposition, next position, please. So, yeah, yeah, right. Um, I like four letter word a lot that closes the album. It's got I don't know if it's recorded live or that's layered in, but it has sort of a live um effect to you know,
2: it. You're, you're 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 teaching me something here because I have oh, I've quiet. always spent time with the singles. You can hear MTV is is sort of the 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 MTV era is starting to come come barreling down the tracks.
0: Yeah, and so that's what I think is really interesting about this period in their career is is Robin has the ability to compete with uh, Cinderella and you know all the hair bands of the time. Like his vocals are insane. And, like, and of the moment, and yet they're sort of floundering during this period. They yeah. have sort of a hair metal, like they could have done that stuff, and yet they're not that type of band.
2: And hair metal never really made much room. for. They had, there was There's humor in hair metal, but they didn't... The, a Rick Nielsen and a Bunny Carlos, those are, those are two... Yeah, um, they don't fit in that. The nerd factor there is right. not... What hair metal is about. Right. But you do have, so then they go from one on one, 82, and they do produce a big MTV video for If You Want My Love, and right. then then they go into Next Position Please, yes. which is produced Rundgren. by Rundgren, who they, 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 they played, they played, they knew from the NAS days. Right, right. And this is where things like the record company starts. Clearly, there's like competing issues. They've crested a little bit, and they're getting pressure from the record company. And the record company basically comes in and tinkers with the record. They insist that they record a cover of "Dancing the Night Away." Really? Yeah. And they 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 make sure two songs are taken off. And um, I really like this record. I I think it like could have been. Amazing, and I think it the final version. So now, when you look for uh, next position, please, uh, the you'll find on iTunes at least the authorized version. Oh, okay. and that includes the songs that they wanted to have on that they were told to take off, and a couple of the songs they were told to put on. They they're like bonus tracks now, but it's got. I Can't Take It, which I think, this is, this is Robin starting to write, mm-hmm. and he'd written High Roller, he'd written some other songs, but he really hadn't, apparently this is really his song. I think I Can't Take it, It's amazing. I love Borderline. There's a song on there called Don't Make Our Love a Crime, which is like a Some Girls uh, Rolling Stones type song, mm-hmm. but the demo of it that's on the box set that came out later is like, 10 times better and it's an amazing tune and I really like the song Y-O-Y-O-Y yeah, spelled it's really Y-O-Y-O-Y like yo-yo <laughs>
0: um a while back about this album and i hadn't really got to it yet i was still on -on one-on-one and and soaking that in um and we talked about rungan uh producing and i said at the time that um you know many times that i've heard albums where he's the producer i don't really hear his sound Mm -hmm. um I actually have come around on that with this album. I hear his sound pretty uh prominently um in it. Um where it really pops is 3D. I
1: like what I see. I feel good about me. You like what you see! You like what you see! You like what you see. see. say
0: well it's 3 his thing man it's it's like you always think you know he he's he's got that sort of scott walker thing of of right when you want to pin him down on something he's already like moved on to something else and you're like what, what
2: oh okay yeah you know. i mean because you were only like three uh, a few years on from you know Bad out of hell, him right. doing all that stuff, and right? He's and he's, he's 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 doing Utopia. He's we're gonna do a Rundgren episode at some point, yeah, I yeah, yeah, for sure. That's but you go, I think Next Position Please is like a it's a solid cheap trick record that could have been a great cheap trick record, but was the clearly they lost a little bit of confidence, and I think that's what you find here. You find them yeah. losing a little bit of confidence in the fact that they would record, record a Rundgren song and Nielsen and recorded all these songs. You move on to um, Standing on the Edge. Yeah, which, which is which is recorded again with Jack Douglas, but he leaves before he can mix it, and so they're really unhappy with the mix of it. But it's right. got the amazing song. I think it's an amazing song. I think tonight it's you is great, and that's a it's big great. hit. Let's can I play a little? Yeah, bit do of that? it. I love that song. Times
1: not sweet. Won't lose. You can't win this time can't this time
2: starting to sound a, a little like toto which is never a bad thing yeah i mean it's the right stuff at the right time uh they're co-writing these songs with other people because right i think one of the other uh things that we've you've sort of only see hinted at in all of the reviews or the, the hearsay is that nielsen has developed quite a uh maybe Maybe a heroin habit around oh, really? this time. I didn't know. Like that. it's sort of debilitating, or yeah, okay. a writer's block, or something. like That So that like makes that. sense
0: because you got songs like "Mighty Wings" in there, which is on the top, uh, the Top Gun soundtrack. This is oh sort my of gosh! A- yeah,
2: well, tell, talk to us about the soundtrack song.
0: So oh, that's like a. The soundtrack era uh, for Cheap Trick, for whatever reason, they show up on a handful of sort of subpar. I mean, I'm not going to say that about Top Gun, <laughs> but um, they show up on a lot of subpar sort of summer like babes type. Spring movies. Break? Spring Breaky. Yeah. Oh, you're right. There's That's one called Spring up Break. Up the Creek. Up <laughs> the Creek. Um, are, are they on. Uh, sure thing, maybe.
2: Maybe I don't uh, remember. But they are so. This. But is they're recording song. actual songs. For it's not. They're yes. not. It's not. <laughs> and that. Uh, they recorded no, a song called "Up the Creek" for the movie "Up the Creek," I'd, which
0: Rick Nielsen says is his worst song of all time. I think, <laughs> um, and I don't hear Rick Nielsen in "Mighty Wings" anywhere. It's such a, it sounds like a Kenny Loggins. It sounds like a "Danger Zone." Yeah, basically.
2: and I don't think they wrote that song. It's like, a, um, though, there are a couple of incredibly badass. From heavy metal, from the heavy metal soundtrack. I love so. I I love that movie. A, Mm -hmm. uh, but B, um,
0: I must be dreaming. Is uh, of the two, I think is is the better. That's a weird song. It's also a weird movie. Um, But uh, I mean, it sounds like it should. It sounds like John Carpenter, like a John Carpenter score from Big Trouble in Little China.
2: Yeah, it's weird. It's strange, and then but it breaks into a real song. I mean, it's it's like they weren't dreaming. They weren't saying no to a lot of stuff around this time. In fact, this is and then this is the era that like all the cheap trick um, purists just hate. Yeah, I mean they just don't like this period. But it's interesting because I and I've gotten deep into it. Okay, so they they the next they do um, lap of luxury is uh, this okay? The doctor actually is the record that Jeez, people all what a think pile of just, shit.
0: The doctor, I'm <laughs> it just, sorry, it's
2: really one of the worst albums recorded by a band of this stature you could imagine. I think. Uh, and uh, then you have Lap of Luxury, which which they have a... Uh, is it Diane Warren or Desmond Child or someone like that writes yeah, The Flame?
0: Okay, so this is full studio. Or maybe studio. it's Mike Chapman.
2: It might be Chinny Chap. I forget exactly who it is, but it's full studio. I think that full they... Full
0: studio intervention, Intervention. Too.
2: They've, yeah. only got, they've only got... Co- they have only co-write like one or two songs on that r- record.
0: Right. Epic is saying like, look, guys, like, it's time. W- w- you, we're taking control. And The Flame is massive. Like, if, if you don't know The Flame and you hear The Flame, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that song.
2: Yeah, but you would never think that's a cheap trick song. You'd think right. that's an 80s power ballad that right. I kind of like. I wouldn't turn off.
0: And to me, it's it's one of those things that, you know, when when The Flame was massive, I'm sure Epic went like, guys, right? Were we right? We were right, right. <laughs> oh, so Peterson's, Peterson's, Peterson's back too. Peterson's back with the on eye the cover, candy.
2: yeah. And they've got the teased out hair,
0: right? It's sort of their 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 dream and their worst nightmare at the same time because they've got this massive hit again, but now they're um, chasing what will be that Aerosmith um, sound of of the yeah. late eighties and and nineties, where they're doing the Desmond Child type songs. Um, which is just not them. They're still lost, I would say.
2: When, my, In my opinion, though, the record of Busted, which is 1990, <laughs> people hate it. They think it's like it's a very accurately titled record, 1990, right. Busted. I think it's the most underrated of the stuff I've heard mm-hmm. because they start writing songs again. It's got the great song called Can't Stop Falling Into Love, which is their version of trying to write The Flame, but it's, I think it's better. Right. It's got Chrissy Hine on Walk Away. Oh, it's wait. Got,
0: sorry. The that what's that song called
2: uh can't stop falling into love oh, I, I hate that it's song. got I, i'm sorry it's got i sorry it has got i can not understand it which is good and it's got when you need so uh, sorry it's got had to make you mine it's got had to make you mine which is like a hard day's night song that peterson wrote right. and then there's a outtake called big bang which is an awesome cheap trick song mm-hmm. which i don't know why it didn't make the record because it's a really really fantastic tune but they're clearly they don't know who they are they're at um they're probably playing state fairs at this point. Um, and they, the Mighty have fallen pretty far. Yeah, uh, and
0: Nirvana's right around the Seattle's right around the corner.
2: Yeah, and so that's what we see reflected. They, they go silent for a while until 1994. Well, Epic drops them. Oh,
0: I didn't realize that. Yeah, and Warner Brothers picks them up for Woke Up With a <laughs> Okay, why do we keep laughing when we say Woke Up With a Monster? <laughs> because when you see the album cover, it's absolutely absurd. It's a clown <laughs> in bed with, you know, a, like a... a late 80s babe like a tawny katane yes uh uh you know mtv video girl um it's just the whole thing is all wrong it's ted templeman (laughs) back again the temp
2: (laughs) they've redone their logos it looks like ralph steadman instead of their amazing sort of new wavy logo right it looks like a bad it looks like a rejected record by like uh Huba stank or something like yes
0: (laughs) that's exactly right and yet you know, those guys say... I, it might be Rick Nielsen. I uh, could be wrong, but I think he sort of says like they, ha- they have no regrets about that record in that it's sort of the beginning of the next era mm-hmm. of Cheap Trick because um, they don't do another album after this for a long time.
2: Yeah, 2003 is the next one. 1994 was Waking With a Monster. yeah, And then 2003 is the next one called like, Special One. And while it's not a great record, it's got some awesome moments on it. It's got that incredible song, Scent of a Woman. It's got that amazing... Song "My Obsession."
0: Yeah, I was pretty big into this album when it came out. Because low life, and, low life. And I heels. like that a lot um, because when it came out is exactly the time I was talking about before. I was, I was, you know, in my mid twenties and just discovering the first three albums and going like, "What happened to these guys?" And then here they are. And Robin's voice sounds amazing. Um, all the guys are there. The s- full sound is is incredible. Um, it's a little uneven um, mm-hmm. compared to what comes next which is Rockford which is I think of of that final or this last section their best album yeah wait a second Six we skip, months later, we skipped over
2: 1997 that's when they're talking to a Steve Albini um, or it's a oh. violent, or they're back with him for a minute and that that song gets uh that album gets a lot of like it, it it's the cover is they're really um it, it's a polar opposite of waking up with a monster i mean it's classic cheap trick right. double necked guitars and uh there's a couple great songs on there i i tend to think it's a little overrated uh uh-huh. um especially when you compare actually it to, don't know it to rockford well. yeah and then you have the latest, which is good, 2009. It's the last one with Bunny Carlos. Uh-huh. There's like an a acrimonious split with him where he's still a band member but not playing with them. And it's Dax Nielsen, uh, Rick Nielsen's son, becomes their drummer. Right. And... Um, Bunny, I I don't know. I've I've read some funny quotes about him. He, Nielsen said that the, he he felt there was always three men and a baby or something. <laughs> they they go and they cover Sergeant Pepper in Vegas for yeah. a while. Um Yeah, they're pretty uh
0: happy to be rid of of Carlos, I think. Yeah. At, at this point in their career, I think they've split ways, although Carlos is still part of the company, yeah. I think, the Cheap <laughs> Trick company. Um and now they're on um they they put out so for I think special one and um, the few albums afterwards, they they created their own label to to get their their thing going again. Um, but now they're on. Is it called Big Machine, which is Taylor Swift's label? So they're they're sort of rock and roll they're, royalty. And they've
2: done three albums in the
0: last three years. Yeah, they're they're including a Christmas album. Yeah, which is I, good. I don't think
2: they even meant to do it. it, it is good. It's yeah. great. They have they have there's like their version of Come On Christmas is on there, which is basically That's the hilarious. song Come On Come On. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the we're uh, bang zoom crazy hello is pretty good. Yeah, there's but I a think song that we're all all rights even better. It's that that song floating down is amazing. But like, there and the the crazy thing about these records is the the latest which came out in two thousand nine is kind of melodic and um, very Beatlesque. Yeah. Then when they come back in 2015, 2016, 2017, they just decide to turn the amps way up. And yeah. they're almost 70 at
0: this point. I know, you know, I think what I'm gonna do is because I don't know those albums, other than Rockford, I know sort of solidly. Um, I don't know them that well. And what I think I'm gonna do is just make a playlist and just hit shuffle because I think all that sound, you know, it's it's there's a, oh, so much to discover there. Um, and I feel like that's the only way I'm going to really discover what these new songs are.
2: Well, I, what I found out when I was reading some some liner notes for the, there's a there's a great sort of a listener's uh, companion to Cheap Trick, and it turns out a lot of the stuff they've recorded in the last you know three four years are really old songs that they've mm-hmm. finished or resurrected. Um, there's not actually that much genuine new material. And and Bunny Carlos, like in the press, has been saying, ah, they haven't been writing stuff for years. But um, they still sound reinvigorated. You know, they'll do corporate gigs. They'll
0: do, you know, little parties. They don't give a shit. They love it. And
2: and I mean, the stuff, but the stuff, the video footage of them playing live in the late 70s is about as exciting rock and roll as I could possibly imagine. It's that good. Yeah. It's that good. And that, that, like... Um, perfectly, you know, it's this confluence of of all these elements of the beginning of heavy metal, the end of power pop, the arena rock thing going on, the Midwestern sense of humor, the Beatles, uh, the knack. I mean, it's all kind of coalescing. And then you turn the guitars up. And I think Rick Nielsen is a bit of... um, Savant, like I really, Mm -hmm. the more I listen to it, as much as I love Robin's voice, it's Rick's guitars that kind of keep me. But I love Bunny's drumming, and I I like Peterson's playing twelve string basses. I I mean, who plays a twelve string bass? There's no, there's no like weak link clearly in the band. But I just I keep coming back to the the guitar, the melodic but loud guitar sound, which I just can't get enough of. So, um, top five, top five. Okay, for me um and i'm not gonna do i decided i didn't want to do any of like the huge hits because they're the thing about cheap trick without side of maybe the flame like all the huge hits are really great yeah and 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 they're not that huge (laughs) right yeah Um, that's true and i also wasn't gonna do covers because i think their covers uh, some of their covers are my favorite songs of theirs like i love california man i love speak now um but these are my top five ready ones okay he's a whore great That's the one that uh, their first record that I always go back to. I just love that song. Yeah, it's funny. It's got this incredible hook and their call and response vocals Mm -hmm. with an amazing groove. Um, I think the live version of "I Can't Take It." There's a live version from Music with Hangovers. I can't take it. It's, I gotta listen it to It is that. awesome. That's the song. I mean, it's got, um, it's got that incredible melody, but it's, it has more louder guitars that Rundgren sort of took out. I think So Good to See You off of In Color mm-hmm. is a huge, huge song for me. And then as, as sort of a fun, uh, I, I'm going to put um, a Rockford song on there. The Do song it. This Time You Got It which is a steve albini produced it so it's got the crunch to it and it's got a great um it's got a wonderful uh you know um melody um and then finally this is not actually on a cheap oh it's on their live record silver but um the song time will let you know that robin wrote for his solo record which is excellent he sings it with his daughter for silver which has got this which is they performed in uh they performed it at um in front of Rockford for like to celebrate maybe their 30th anniversary uh-huh. or something. It's a ballad, but, um, it, I don't know. It just pulls with the heartstrings. There's a different side of them. It's very artistic and he sings it so beautifully. I don't know. It, it kind of tears me apart, but what about you, Lex?
0: Um, let's see. Uh, so off the first album, uh, we already played it tax man, Mr. Thief. I, oh. I just love, yeah. um, I, I was, I was, uh, I wanted to do Oh Candy, but uh, the Taxman, Mr. Thief, it really sticks it to me. Um, so again, like I had said, I, I, I didn't know those those 80s albums. Um, and I can't, I can't stop listening to Stop This Game. I off, all shook up that first track. I, I just love it so much. Um, Gonna Raise Hell. I, I, I mentioned that. It's just the, the balls to do this you know, like seven and a half minute song in the middle of this album with just thundering drums and then strings and just this menacing chorus over and over again, gonna raise hell, it's an anthem. Um, By the way, I I meant to say a good movie to watch to get sort of the spirit of the time that, and I think Cheap Trick is on the soundtrack is a movie called Over the Edge, um, which is Matt Dillon's first uh, movie appearance. It's, It's worth a watch. Um so that's 3. Uh I'll go with Evita Zane. Mm.
2: Yeah, that would that was that would be like number 6 for me.
0: It's so. I mean it's got again, it's got all the stuff in it. Um and then I really like this is the one of the new discoveries Twisted Heart. I think has all that sort Off, of Off
2: next position please.
0: Yeah. Um it's it's got sort of all the 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 growling and and um menace that some of these other songs have but it's it's you know yeah 83 or something so it's in that that strange period where they're trying to figure stuff out but they still got it there we'll we'll send you out with what cheap trick sends you out with always
2: yeah affirmative
1: Would you like to do another with me? Would you like to do a number with ladies and gentlemen. night now, ladies and, night, now, ladies and That's the enemy show. Now time to go. Night, now, ladies and gentlemen. Good night now, ladies and chance. That's enemy show. Now it's time to go. Would you like to do a with me? Would you like to do another? Would you like to? Would you like to? Ah! We're cheap trick. Good night.